Welcome to Health Unabashed, the show that is unapologetically passionate about innovation as a catalyst for improving care. Hosted by digital health advocate, influencer, and author Gil Bash, the show looks at the thought-provoking ideas, people, and companies who are making a difference. I'm Greg Masters, the producer and co-host of the show, and join Gil as we engage industry talent who share their insights and best practices on how to connect the dots to create sustainable change. On today's show, our guest is friend and colleague, the multi-talented Daniel Kraft, MD. And with that introduction, Gil, over to you. Greg, thank you so very much. It's always a pleasure to get together with you. And I hope that the weather in San Diego is fabulous as always. Speaking of the West Coast, I'm with Dr. Daniel Kraft. And Daniel Kraft is known by many of us He is really a renaissance physician in so many different ways. Um, A a member, a flight surgeon for F-15 and F-16 pilots. He is part of, I think, Daniel, part of the National Guard for some time. You um, finished your undergrad at Brown. You went on to, I think it was Stanford, then Harvard for for some postdoc training. You're an author. You're one of the founders of the XPRIZE professor of Singularity University. You're writing clinical papers on longevity. You're looking at stem cells. What aren't you doing that I've missed so far? I've got to know. And let me start with an interesting question for you because you're so expansive and so amazing. I've got to ask, what is next in the life of Daniel Kraft? What (laughs) secret surprise are you going to share with us right now? Well, I'm not sure what I'm going to be when I grow up, but I'm, I, I get that. I get that. The trick is not to grow up too fast. Um, I don't know. I've always been sort of one that always liked uh, to live at the convergences and not be stuck in one bucket or one silo. And, uh, you know, it's very easy to do that in medicine, right? You get super specialized. I did pediatric hematology, oncology, and bone marrow transplant after doing medicine and pediatrics at Mass General. Um, but I think the fun part of life is just bumping into other people who aren't like you in different fields and thinking about how to make the world better. And so, um, you know, some of the things that have, I've been up to, particularly since the pandemic started, is uh, I'm not the chair, of, I'm not the co-founder of the XPRIZE, but I've been chairing this XPRIZE Pandemic Alliance Task Force, which is now turning to a pandemic and health alliance, where we've tried to bring folks from all sorts of different places, from NGOs to academics to Fortune 50s to startups to address the challenges of this pandemic and prevent future ones from PPE to diagnostics to therapeutics. Um, in fact, uh, together with Jeff Huber, I helped uh, chair an XPRIZE for rapid, fast, frequent, cheap, and easy COVID testing, which certainly has been a challenge in this pandemic. And uh, had over uh, 70 teams from 700 companies, 700 wow. teams from 70 countries apply. And from that, we emerged with you know nine incredible new technologies and winners who many of which will apply to COVID, but also other infectious and non-infectious diseases. So I love sort of being at the, the interface. Other things I've been up to since the pandemic started is launching a new platform. Uh, many of your listeners are interested in you know digital health or connected health or mobile health. I think we'll just call it health, but I was lucky to get the domain digital.health. And so I've wow. been building that into a bit of a uh, digital health sort of platform. You can learn about what's the latest in regulatory and startups and a, a big database and formulary where you know, if you're any sort of clinician or in healthcare, you can find what's out there and hopefully match that to your patients or your care teams. Um, so those are a few things I'm up to. And and also, since, you know, nothing else to do during the pandemic, just launched a um, early stage uh, venture fund focused on the next generation of digital health and longevity companies. So uh, more than one hat at a time. 
I, I, you know, I've, I've got to see the book, the Daniel Craft MD book that's going to come out. I know you've been working on a manuscript and and you're sort of perfecting that. But I, I, I've got to say, probably a book about your life would be a bestseller because you're up to so many things. But I've got to ask you uh, something. You you have a un, very unusual pattern recognition skills. Um, when you you talk about these seemingly disparate things you're up to just now and your background. Um, I kind of see it all as part of one cohesive narrative. And you're you're at the edge constantly of the what's next. And you're you're kind of living constantly at that tip. So I just want to find out when you were in high school, were you the same person you are now in some respects? <laughs> I'm still 16 inside. Yeah. Um and with the Zoom filter, you too can be 16. <laughs> uh, um, I think so. I mean, I, uh, you know, I knew in high school that I wanted to, I think, be in medicine and science. I actually got my start in science at the NIH. I grew up in Silver Spring, Maryland. I could bike to the NIH. And uh, after 10th grade, I did a sort of a summer internship there. I learned how to, you know, clean beakers and make antibodies. And um, the next year in 11th grade, we had to do a high school science fair project. And I thought, oh, gee, I help make monoclonal antibodies to the IgE receptor. What can we do with that? What if we could block the IgE receptor and block the kind of most common type of allergic reactions? To make a long story short, that worked both in vivo and then in vitro and all sorts of science fairs and got to go around the world. And that opened, unlocked my world a bit from being, you know, the standard high school student in Montgomery County uh, to bumping into all sorts of other folks from a summer at the Weizmann Institute uh, to spending uh, two weeks with the Navy. I won this Navy science competition and spent time on aircraft carriers and driving submarines and wow. top gun school and realized I did not want to be in the Navy, but later uh, I joined the Air National Guard because I uh, love to fly. Um, so I think I am sort of the same person I was in high school. I always like trying new things, like blending everything from aviation to design thinking. And, you know, it was always a bit of a gadget guy. I was the one who had that, what, that Hamishler, Schmelishler. Uh, yep, I know those catalogs. I love them. And, uh, and, you know, in medicine, it's so easy to kind of get in a rut and you know, just see your sort of world through the silo of your own medical specialty that I've sort of, I think, taken a bit of that mindset and made sure I kind of got outside of my usual comfort zone and had been lucky to have opportunities you know, bumping and, and crossing worlds. So I think my ability, if, the, if I have one of sort of being on the edge is realizing that the edge doesn't live within, let's say, traditional health and medicine. It's, you know, I've been going to the TED conference for 16 years, running into people from entertainment and design and folks who are, you know, everything from building satellites to, to new forms of, of art and virtual reality. And that changes the perspective of what's possible, you know, the art of the possible in, in, in my sort of silo of, of health and biomedicine. Yeah. Now, speaking of Ted, by the way, I remember going to Ted many years ago, Monterey, with um, with Saul Wurtzman when he was running with his scarf around the neck, and then I think his son stepped in, and it, you know, really, it was the the massive salon of 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 people at the edge of innovation and all different all different ways, all different ways. Um, but you know, I'm thinking of that mindset in that community, and thinking about your work. You're also a bit of an inventor. You're not just a scientist. You're not just a physician. You're not just a sort of a, 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 a community organizer, a conference organizer. You're also looking at how things work and put together and, and how to build things. Uh, share with us a little bit of the, some of the stuff that you want to invent, not the stuff that you have invented, but because but, you've got like 50 different projects underway. You're doing a book. You're doing another conference. I have a feeling that you're, you're, you're building some other society. You probably have some other prize you're putting together. 
what's on the drafting board for innovation? Well, if I knew my future, that would be great. But you know, I think it comes down to always finding you know pain points uh, to solve for. When I was a, a bone marrow transplant fellow at Stanford, uh, I was lucky to be part of the very first year of Stanford Biodesign, which was kind of novel at the time to put together people from engineering school, medical school, law school, uh, undergrads and beyond, and to look at um, finding challenges, let's say in healthcare, and, and to invent solutions. And you know, one of my inventions is this marrow miner device. You can watch the TED talk about a better way to harvest bone marrow. Um, I have another TED talk around reinventing pharmacy, 3D printing pills. Um, I've been inventing this digital dot health platform to solve the pain point of like too many apps and wearables and devices and solutions. How do you make sense of them? So I, I think uh, what I want to invent next, uh, you know, I run for a bit, I'm a bit of a like Richard Saul Worman, a bit of an accidental conference organizer, having been the chair of medicine at Singular University and for 10 years uh, running, building, founding Exponential Medicine, is to think differently about the future of health innovation in, in our now, hopefully post-COVID, super connected, virtual and physical world to go beyond sort of just having a once a year event, which is great, but to keep those dots connected, not just through social media, but, you know, along through lines and to help you know, the, the radicals meet the clinicians, meet the patients, meet the funders to kind of really catalyze the future of healthcare in new, in new ways. So that might be one thing I want to invent along with teleportation and uh, uh, the ability not to need, you know, seven hours of sleep. But you're not, you're not a, a Trekkie or anything like that. I'm, I mean, there's no transporter in your living room that you're, you're tinkering with right now. No, but I did come up with and help run a $10 million X prize for a medical tricorder inspired by Star Trek. We all know, remember, you know, yep. Dr. McCoy. McCoy could wand you. And that was, you know, kind of a cool concept. And what's been, I think, fascinating, if you look back at science fiction, that's inspired a lot of today. And and uh, the tricorder X prize was to get folks to build a home-based you know, device that could diagnose the most common 19 conditions. And uh, sort of the winners of that have now gone on to be big players in, in telehealth and home diagnostics, which has, of course, been accelerated by the COVID pandemic. So, you know, the future is coming faster than you think. Uh, Star Trek and other things can inspire that. Um, so I, I am a bit of a Trekkie and, you know, I'm also a space geek. I was lucky to go to the Apollo 17 launch when I was a kid and, and later actually met Gene Cernan, the last man on the moon, when I was oh, wow. at NASA Johnson Space Center. I almost got to be an astronaut. That's one thing that kind of drove some of my cross-fertilization um, being a pilot, getting involved in designing missions to Mars at Stanford and going to International Space University. And that kind of drove meeting other folks. I got to join the military and the International Guard. That was a different experience and a different type of people and thinking. And I think, you know, we need more of that in healthcare, uh, or at least healthcare innovation, as we're going to hopefully address the big grand challenges we have. Yeah, you know, you have such credibility. It's not just your your academic credentials, your medical credentials, your research credentials, you know, youth at NIH. Um, the military aspect, and and that's not a a piece of you that you it's it's in your bio, of course, that you were a flight surgeon as well, but it's not something you you talk about often. And I I just be curious because we talked earlier that we both have military backgrounds, um, and you know I find that my uh, my background in terms of um, going beyond my comfort zone, um, thinking about others, putting myself out there to help others. Um, how, how did that experience of being a flight surgeon and being in the National Guard sort of impact you then? How does it impact you now? Well, at first I joined. Uh, I, did, I joined because I loved flying. I had my pilot's license 
you know, from my second year at Brown University, even, even ran the flying club, 1970 Cessna 150s for wow. 20 bucks an hour wet. And then I thought I wanted to be, also wanted to be a fighter pilot, but I didn't have kind of 2020 vision, which you needed at the time. And someone told me, well, they'll actually pay you to be a physician and fly in fighter jets and take care of the fighter pilots. I'm like, you actually pay me to do that? So not knowing exactly what I was getting into, I raised my right hand and, and joined when I, while I was a resident at Mass General, the uh, Air National Guard, uh, the Massachusetts Guard, which is based at the time on Otis Air Force Base. And it was an amazing experience. Number one, to get to be part of uh, the mostly, you know, not always today, a bit of the brotherhood of the fighter pilot world is quite yeah. a special thing. I get my call sign space, spacecraft, uh, to go through a bit of the, you know, aerospace medicine program down at Brooks Air Force Base. I went to two weeks of commissions officers training, which is a short course for medical people. And I'm kind of maybe like you, I was a bit of a, you know, uh, from MASH, you know, the Hawkeye. I'm like, you want me to do what? You want me to salute? You want me to do this? I'm like, why? By the end of two weeks of marching, I kind of got an angle on why the military has some of these things. You know, they don't ask you to, I don't want you to ask for your opinion when they give you an order. So I had a little bit of appreciation for how larger organizations and leadership work. But then, you know, there was definitely the family of being in the squadrons. Um, my squadron on Cape Cod was the ones that responded to um, 9-11. Two of my pilots were the ones flying oh. over over the Twin Towers as, as they went down, unfortunately. Um, so that was a lot of, you know, essentially drama, but a real world experience. Um, and then later I joined an F-15 squadron in Fresno when I moved back to California. But I think what I got from it was seeing how, you know, super large organizations work. Sometimes it's a little bit high school, you have to check the boxes and get through it. But what was most impactful, I think I got to go on a deployment to Saudi Arabia in 2000 as part of the no-fly zone missions over Iraq, if you remember back pre-9-11. Absolutely. We used to drive by bin Laden construction, believe it or not. This is 2000. And it, what impressed upon me was I was only there for like three weeks. It was a great adventure. I got to fly over Iraq and uh, fly in all sorts of other jets. Um, but was the the human, almost not toll, but the, all the effort that was maintained just for a deployment like that, the effort to maintain, let alone what happened later in, in, in the other wars. Um, so a huge appreciation for those who serve. I was just like, you know, a guard bum and doing a weekend a month and some deployments, but Huge appreciation for that. And I love to tie in the aerospace medicine world to the medical world of today. I think flying and aviation has spurred, you know, the checklist manifesto, how we do safer operations. There's crew resource management, how we communicate in the cockpit that can make safer communications in the operating room or the hospital setting. There's um, simulation, which has exploded in our day where you can put on a headset and train like a like a pilot would in a flight simulator. So I love those sort of overlaps, um, you know, to aerospace medicine and, and to the space side uh, and beyond. You know, I, I so identify uh, with what you're saying, obviously different branches of service, but at the same time, the the journey, what I see constantly is this desire to um, explore territory, to take risks. And, you know, here you are, you're at a different stage of your life, your family, um, and you're still taking risks. And I, I wanted to explore that a little bit with you because so few people as we get older sometimes people kind of circle the wagons you know psychologically i don't want to take risks i i don't want to you know risk my credibility i don't want people laughing at me i don't want to risk my income and you know i've noticed through the centuries that the people who actually produce the greatest advances in humankind were all people who took risks they took risks with their with their careers with their reputation they pursued with passion uh, dreams, you know, it, it, whether you know, it was Newton or others, they all took a risk. What risks do you think you're going to be taking in the next year? And, and what do you think about the concept of innovators and risk? 
And if you're just tuning in to Health Unabashed, our guest is physician scientist and digital health innovator, Daniel Kraft, MD. Most progress happens at the edge and outside of our comfort zones. And um, I, I wouldn't say I'm a huge risk taker. I've flown planes and jumped out of airplanes and started companies. Uh, and those take some degree of risk and being outside of where things are sort of maybe most comfortable. But I mean, I, I think we all need to if that's where we're going to grow, we need to take some of those elements. Some of them are more risky than others. Um, so I, I don't know. I kind of maybe have that part of my genetics. I'm hopefully not doing anything too crazy, uh, at least according to my wife. But um, I think, yes, as you grow older, those things might change your priorities, you know, when you have the dependents and uh, you may not do that jumpy, jump, bungee cord jump as readily as you might have when you're in your 20s. Yeah, yeah but I, I still feel in watching you and you know, we interchange, we interact quite a bit on on social media. You and I, we support each other. We're we're interested in each other's posts. Um, you're comfortable expressing edgy concepts, and you know, I, I speak to a lot of people behind the scenes. They question me, and not in a bad way, in a in a um, interesting way of my uh, desire to express a point of view of what's happening in world events, or what's happening with racial equality or social determinants of health, of putting out a point of view out there. You do that as well. Is there any point where you sometimes at night, you just say, gee, maybe I should delete that post. Maybe that post was too progressive or risque or um, too strident in a point of view. At what point do you, do you start to feel, um, I, I want to be a little more of a conformist? I don't see it in you, but maybe you think about it. Yeah, I, well, sometimes I've, I've, against my better judgment, engaged with some of the trolls, particularly on the political spectrum, or the anti-vaxxers, etc. So, um, you know, I think on the social media side, I probably have self-edited a bit. I don't think I've deleted any tweets. Um, but, you know, I think it's easy just to retweet things or share interesting articles. But I think the, the, the folks who are most interesting on social media blend that with their personal perspective and passion. And it's not just, you know, here's some more information. Um, and sometimes it is helpful to get into the weeds. And hopefully that can educate others or maybe change some hearts and minds when that's relevant. And I think we've seen the pandemic or the infodemic somewhat catalyzed by social media, be a tool for good and, and for bad. And, uh, you know, it's a bit of the new arena. So we might as well jump in and not not hold back too much without, you know, being too too disrespectful, uh, with the exception of a few folks I've, I've had to, to uh, block me because <laughs> they're, they're afraid to engage. I find that kind of un unbelievable that people would block you. You know, you're a, a really an extraordinary person for our field by the way if, if you're listening follow daniel craft on twitter he's very active on twitter on linkedin you know daniel where else can can we find you obviously on your website you have i think daniel craft md if i'm not mistaken um yeah social media daniel underscore craft and uh, my website's danielcraftmd.com um and where i try and you know put together a bunch of my projects and talks and other sharings um you can check out digital.health as a platform to learn about the latest in digital Health. We're about to launch our new version of that, which will have, you know, a thousand different startups and other companies. Um, so those are a few places. And then on LinkedIn, there's a fun, fun place to engage as well. What I think is what's magical about the sort of now social interconnected world is that we can be connected, even though we're not in the same uh, side of the continent, um, that you can meet folks you wouldn't often meet. Sometimes it's even on Clubhouse. And now I have met them in real life or people who followed me on Twitter and I followed them and we meet in real life. And that's where the, I think the, 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 Sometimes the joy and the magic in life is, is, is not just being the people in your usual physical bubble. And one of the silver linings of COVID is that we've now 
for better or worse, lived in a more virtual world, but have opened up some of those connections and collaborations. And my hope, uh, being an optimist, is that some of those lessons and new tools and innovations will, you know, save more lives or do more good than the horrible pandemic has in, in the long run. I'm hoping it's um, short term. I, I, I'm eager for in real life gatherings again. And I, you know, I, I was traveling to a conference. I spoke in Israel a few weeks ago, and I know that you like to travel the world quite a bit. So you, you also are and have been a champion of a very important conference that has taken a bit of a hiatus during COVID. Um, and, uh, you know, people are big fans of what you were doing with XMED and other other uh, other meetings that you put together. Anything on the horizon that we should start sort of thinking about and saying, hey, let's block out those dates because uh, Dr. Daniel Kraft is something in the works. Well, I think, you know, we've all been to lots of great conferences or medical conferences. They tend to be pretty, uh, you know, around one topic or one specialty or one field. And I was lucky, you know, to you know, chair medicine at Singularity University since it started. And from that, saw the need to create a program that crossed all the fields of ex expanding technologies. And from that, uh, built and ran exponential medicine for, for 10 years and held at the Hotel Del Coronado and really magical gathering of 800 folks, usually from 50 countries, uh, lucky to have Greg there and others. Um, and now we're in the process of, you know, a little hiatus, hard to do in-person meetings during the pandemic, but rebooting, rebranding that to sort of go beyond just the once a year annual meeting of amazing minds and ideas, but to expand that with both, you know, virtual, physical, uh, continuous and community elements. So watch the space. We'll be announcing something uh, in late March or April about the, the, the new form factor, but stay, the same ethos. How do you get folks together who don't awfully meet, who are instigators, who might, are sometimes the round pegs and square holes in their healthcare systems or, or clinics? Who want to think differently about reinventing and reimagining healthcare across the continuum from prevention, diagnostics, therapy, you know, everything from CRISPR to chatbots to drones to, to psychedelics. I think uh, that's where kind of the, it's my favorite thing is to be a, co a connector, open up people's minds and, and help catalyze, you know, what's coming next in hopefully positive ways. You know, one of the things along that line, first of all, we're all going to be looking for that. I'm positive it's going to be amazing. One of the things you, you work on, um, you've written about, you've talked about is longevity. And, you know, longevity is such a, a broad topic. You know, I think sometimes we, we, we think we have a healthcare system. We really have a sick care system. I mean, we have a sick care management system. And, you know, one of the elements of longevity is, is of course, self-care, wellness. Um, some of it, of course, is, you talked about it before, cellular, you know, um, science and so forth. But I know at XMed, you've, you've had a lot of interesting speakers. You've looked at... Uh, a hyperbolic chamber therapy. You've looked at a lot of really cutting edge things that are um, science is kind of grappling with, not negatively, just trying to understand them. When you look at longevity and, and you look at technology, can you share with us maybe three or four things you say, folks, if longevity is on your radar screen, you've got to be listening and watching for X, Y, and Z. Well, great question. I think I tend to think of it more of, uh, you know, longevity is one thing. I live in Silicon Valley. Some people want to live forever and forever is a very long time. Um, I think no one wants to be 120 and feel 120. We want, you know, 100 to be the new 60. Uh, so I think more about health span. We want to have, you know, long quality of lives where we're active. We can eat, think, drink, communicate, et cetera. 
Um, so I, I, I look at it from that lens. Um, it is interesting. I was just at a real life conference with Nir Bajale uh, last week, who's doing a lot of work on like metformin. Well, he's, well, he's one of the founders of, of healthy aging, really. Exactly. And that clinical trial metformin's encouraging. I, I'm not on it yet, but I'm getting tempted. Uh, I think, you know, with our emerging and existing technologies, we can do a lot to optimize our health and lifespan by doing smart things to hopefully get to the point where in 10 years, we're going to have new versions of CRISPR or mRNA vaccines to prevent cancer, Alzheimer's, et cetera, et cetera. So of course the common things are now, you know, get enough sleep, keep your exercise up, muscle mass, social activity, there's all those sort of basic one-on-ones that we can all do before we start to go into whether NAD plus supplements work for us or don't. Um, but I think it's an exciting time where the science, and I'm a stem cell biologist by background, is, is starting to meet the promise, whether it's to, you know, potentially regenerate an organ, or we saw earlier in 2022 this year that the first uh, xenografts from a pig were transplanted for both heart and kidneys. And if you're on the organ waiting list, you may not be kosher. But Very critical. Yeah, look, actually, it's okay to do that, you know, and from, from what we're talking about. So, you know, we have a few moments left, and I sometimes feel like I'm dealing with like three or four Daniel Crafts. There's, there, there's so much going on. But um, as, as we close, what's the next big thing ahead that we should be watching for in Dr. Daniel Kraft? In me personally? Wow. Um, well, hopefully I'll get a book out in 2023. Uh, you'll see cool. this uh, new kind of exponential medicine 2.0, which will hopefully be a platform to enable- Looking forward to it. But what's next? One, one technology that, uh, you know, in terms of what's next, I always like to say it's no one thing. It's sort of this interface of AI and big data and 3D printing and nanotech and wearables. It's, it's, it's sort of how do we connect all those dots and this world of, of as you talked about sick care is still modeled along the wrong um, incentives. And I think what's going to be interesting and hopefully something I can help um, instigate is, you know, shifting our mode to not just self-care, but to precision wellness and, and, and help align the incentives and in healthcare systems, which there are many to sort of move in that direction. So I like to sort of connect the dots and realize that in, in many ways in that old quote, the future's already here, not evenly distributed. We can don't need to invent anything into the future. We can take what we even have today, let alone what's coming next, to really uh, shift things in much more personalized, proactive ways to to take you know take us to this true era of, of this new health age, right? Um, and I love this quote from Regina Dugan. You know, uh, Sputnik sparked the space age. COVID sparking a bit of a new health age, and and that was a bit of the theme of my last TED talk from last year, which is that you know by taking some of these emerging technologies, aligning the incentives, connecting the dots, we can really move the needle. Um, not just on pandemic, you know, solutions, but across the whole healthcare paradigm, and hopefully bring much more equitable care to more people, whether it's rural California or rural Rwanda. And so, absolutely, absolutely. First of all, Daniel, thank you, thank you, thank you. That was wow, Greg. Again, always my friend. Thank you for bringing us together. Stay tuned, everybody. Follow Daniel Kraft. Thanks, Gil. That's a wrap for today's broadcast. We want to thank our guest, physician scientist and digital health innovator, Daniel Kraft, MD, for his time and insights today. Do follow Daniel's work on Twitter via at Daniel underscore Kraft, and that's with a K. And check out the recent launch of Digital.Health, a curated portal of digital health apps, or via DanielCraftMD.com. You can learn more about Health Unabashed on the program page at HealthCareNowRadio.com. And do keep the conversation going with Gil and me on Twitter by connecting with us via at Gil underscore Bash, that's B-A-S-H-E, and Greg Masters, M-P-H, and that's Greg with two Gs, and do tag your tweets with the hashtag Health Unabashed. 
We air weekly on healthcarenowradio.com at 8.30 a.m., 6.30 p.m., 2.30 a.m. Eastern, or for you left coasters, 7.30 a.m., 3.30 p.m., and 11.30 p.m. Pacific. Until next time, stay unapologetically passionate about improving health.